everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Welcome to episode 12 of the Lee Evie Korean Drama Podcast Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am very, very excited to be talking about one of my favorite K-dramas of all time, Dream High. So this K-drama is part of my 10 Reasons to Love series, and I'm going to be slowly covering all my most favorite dramas. This one, though, I have to say is very, very special to me. Namely, this is actually the very first K-drama that I ever watched. And it's almost a miracle that I managed to stumble across it in a really random way and become so hooked to Korean drama that they have basically, I guess in a lot of ways, changed probably the entire course of my life. I mean, I don't want to get too dramatic or anything, but, you know, if you look at what I'm doing now, you know, with the podcast, so this drama holds such an eternally special place in my heart. It means so much to me because really it kickstarted everything. And it's crazy for me to think how different my life might have been if I hadn't stumbled across it. So just to give you a bit of background, this drama is a youth kind of coming of age. It's a music drama. Um, you know, it's set in a, a high school of the performing arts and there's a lot of idols in the cast. So everyone is pretty crash hot at singing and dancing. Uh, it came out in 2011 and it is a 16 episode drama. I think it's quite interesting because I think formula wise it is a little bit different and I think some of the characters or the character types and some of the story arcs particularly when it comes to the love triangle are very different to you know the real kind of familiar I guess framework that we see a lot in these type of dramas and the interesting thing about that is that because it was my first ever Korean drama I didn't know about those familiar tropes. So I, I think I loved it when I watched it, but I don't think I could even fully appreciate what an incredibly wonderful drama this is because it does kind of defy expectations a little bit in some areas and present us with, you know, a few little twists that I think if you're very familiar with the K-drama setup, you might be a little bit surprised by this. It is utterly charming very cheesy in the best of ways and just frankly all round fantastic. So before I head into my actual discussion which you know again as I always do for the 10 reasons to love series I'm going to broken it down into the 10 reasons to love I probably didn't need to say that I think that was pretty self-explanatory. 
My number one reason to adore the K-drama Dream High is Susie's character, Hemi. And frankly, Susie as Hemi. I think, I actually love Susie. I think she is such a charming actress. She is, of course, utterly beautiful, really, really gorgeous just to watch. But I think she's just got something about her that is very, very charming and very charismatic. And I find her very, very likable as an actress. I know she gets a lot of flack about her acting. And I think in this drama, they even kind of make fun of it a little bit in the K-drama where a lot of characters call her, you know, an emotionless robot. So they kind of turn it around and make it quite funny. But to be honest, I, you know, the first time I watched this, I didn't know about any of the kind of maybe netizen kind of complaints about Susie's acting or, you know, the kind of, I guess, mm, whole culture around sort of really scrutinizing the performance of idols and stuff like that. I had no idea. So I I just enjoyed the show and I, I found her as a main character absolutely charming. Um, The thing I really like about this show, again, like I said before, I think some things are a little bit different to the more typical K-drama formulas. And one of those things I do think is Hemi herself. Um, Hemi is... she's a bit of an anti-hero in a lot of ways. Um, She's very, very mean. She's very bratty. She's, you know, very petulant, superior. She's quite... Yeah, she's quite nasty sometimes. And yet, I think that Susie manages to, you know, pull off all of that while still getting across a very, very likable character. So the general setup of the drama, um, which, you know, I've seen this drama so many times, but not like super, super recently. So hopefully I don't get any of this wrong. But Hemi's dad is like, you know, neck deep in debt and stuff. And so her and her little sister are basically thrown out on the street. And meanwhile, she's gone for an audition. She is a, you know, a dedicated opera singer and she's super good at it. And she knows she's super good at it. And her and her little lackey girl, uh, which is... Oh, they're saying her name here is Becky, but I feel that's not right. Just looking on the on the website. Mm. Uh, so I'm going to call her Yoon. I think it was Beck. Oh, I can't remember. But she kind of has this sort of side lackey character who, you know, just worships her and adores her. And we see that Hemi is, you know, she's pretty nasty. She's not that nice to her. And the two girls go to audition for this music school. And Hemi doesn't even want to get in. And she thinks she's too good for it because it's pop music. And of course, she doesn't get in. And the other girl does. But in the end, Hemi needs to get in. She has nowhere else to go. She's in a complete predicament. And then the rest of the drama is basically, you know, takes place in this Kirin school of, you know, performance arts where they're teaching dancing and singing and everyone's got these really intense, you know, youthful dreams and, you know, they're going for it, trying to make it happen. And of course, there's all sorts of romantic entanglements. Um, I just really liked the character of Hemi. I found her very, very funny. They also have, you know, a lot of scenes where, particularly where she gets thrown out of the house, where she, you know, has these really funny moments where she imagines you being on the street and living in a little cardboard box with her sister. I mean, that doesn't sound that funny. That sounds pretty depressing, but it is really funny. And she's, I don't know, I think she's very charming. And, you know, sometimes you watch like a love triangle show and you, you like the guys, you like the characters, but you kind of have that feeling of, gee, why why would they fall in love with her? Like, I'm not that sure. But Hemi, I'm like, yeah, she's mean. Yeah, she's, you know, she's very sour, but I get it. I get why everyone's falling for her. She's, oh, there's something about her. She is charming. I love her.
My second reason to love Dream High is the character of Jin Guk, who is played by Taekyeon. He is, you know, he's this kind of a super cool, like, you know, maybe a bit too cool, like a kind of verging into the cheesy kind of cool territory, which to be honest, I kind of love, but he's this very cool kind of rich guy who's, you know, very estranged from his dad and has some really severe daddy issues as, you know, the rich boys in Korean dramas tend to have, and, you know, very damaged young man, um, very nice, a lot nicer than Heming, and, um, you know, he helps her out and meets her, and he realizes who she is and that he has this kind of youthful first love, not not exactly first love, but, you know, this youthful connection with her and he's very taken by her and he's very into her. But she is, you know, she's prickly as hell. So he's kind of got his work cut out for him. So Jing Book is played by Taekyeon, who I've just seen in so many dramas. Like, I don't particularly watch dramas for this guy, but he seems to be in so many things that I watch. Um, I'm not like a massive, massive fan, but I really like him. I think he's just got something very earnest and charming about him. He's very sweet, I guess, and I think he he just seems to try very hard. And I've got to say, in this drama particularly, you know, it's so cold. It's set in winter, in the dead of winter. There's snow and everyone has, like, you know, their cold breath floating around their mouth. And poor Taekyeon's ears are just the reddest, brightest red ears that I've ever seen in a drama, um, which, you know, I quite loved, to be honest. The third reason to adore this K-drama is the character of Song Sam Dong. So he is played by Kim Soo Hyun. He's one of the only sort of non, non-idols or non-singer dancers in the cast. And he's just, you know, I guess a straight up actor. I think that this, you know, I mean, obviously it was a massive breakout role for this actor. Um, who, you know, he's freaking massive now. He's so huge. And... He stands out like crazy in this show. He's so good. And he's also sort of, you know, I guess the third prong of this love triangle that gets formed between Hemi and Jinguk and him. Um, He is, I guess in a lot of ways, he's, you know, a typical sort of second lead character. But the big shock with him is that by the end of the show, he's not exactly the second male lead anymore, which is a very, very interesting sort of character transformation and character arc in, you know, for a K-drama, which I don't think, like I said, that I fully appreciated when I watched this the first time. Um, but this is the kind of drama that when you watch it, you honestly do not know who Hemi is going to end up with out of these two boys. Um, it, it kind of changes throughout the drama what you think is going to happen. Um, but I think for a lot of people, it was a huge surprise that she chooses um, Song Sam Dong in the end. Um, but I have to say, as a watcher, I was utterly charmed by him, like to such a massive degree. I mean, Kim Soo Hyun is amazing. He's such a good actor. And, you know, later on in the drama, his character, you know, as things turn darker, as they often do, um, you know, while the angst comes in and his character loses his hearing or begins to lose his hearing. And, you know, his dream is music. So he he gets pretty dark pretty quick. And there is a lot of angst and there is a lot of crying. And, you know, Kim Soo-hun just 
conveying so much depth of emotion with his eyes and he is such a good actor and he is also one of the prettiest dudes in the whole world like he is such a pretty guy so he is absolutely wonderful to watch in this he is luminous and so charming his character also is very fun interestingly enough I don't believe he even turns up in this show until the third episode they really set up the whole you know all the characters they set everyone up and then Hemi has to head out into the countryside to convince this student Song Sam Dong that he is going to come and join Kieran Art School so this is what the you know the Kieran Art School director sends her to do and she's completely uninterested in him uninterested in everything but goes out and tries to act her most charming which again is hilarious to see her do because she's not a charming girl <laughs> she's mean as fuck <laughs> so she goes out and basically tries to charm him into following her to the city um, and he is smitten like immediately but also hilariously he's sort of I guess the idea is he's this real country bumpkin he's you know not very you know he wouldn't be very up with all the latest trends or know anything about what's going on he lives in this little weird country town you know his tiny little old house um, out in the middle of the snow in the countryside I can't remember if it's he lives with his grandma or his mum but there's loads of crying when he leaves and stuff and I don't know, it's so fun, I guess, to see him kind of bumble in from, you know, literally from the countryside into Seoul City and he's the outsider, he's the uncool kid, he's the one that everyone makes fun of. And as the drama progresses, you know, not only does he grow into his own skin and figure out who he is and what he wants, but he also literally gets the girl at the end, which is, you know, freaking great. It's such a joy to watch. Um, the romance, you know, I mean, this is a, there's full on emotional romantic tanglements in every direction, but it is a light youth drama. So it's not like everyone's making out at every turn, frankly, unfortunately, because <laughs> I think it'd be great if there was more kisses. But um, it's great to watch, I think, that sort of romance between him and Hemi develop. I love it because at the start, Hemi is so prickly. I think she's not really into anybody, but her feelings very quickly sort of turn towards Jin Gook you know, who is super, super cool. And meanwhile, beside her, she has this eternally kind of bumbling Song Sam Dong, who's, you know, just utterly devoted to her and following her around at every turn. It's lovely. It's really, really cool. I mean, he just won my heart immediately. And that's not just because he was so pretty, but maybe he had something to do with it. So the other thing I kind of wanted to mention about Song Sam Dong before I move on uh, is in the drama, he has a really heavy country accent. So this was my very first ever K-drama and I had never really listened to the Korean language before. So I couldn't tell. I honestly couldn't tell the difference between, you know, his dialogue and the Seoul City characters dialogues and I couldn't tell that he had this really thick heavy accent even though you know it's kind of a running joke in the show and people make fun of him and you know he he's a bit embarrassed about it at times um but yeah I couldn't really kind of grasp that element of the show and it's interesting because over the years as I've re-watched this drama and you know even studied Korean a bit on and off and just watched so many dramas that I've become so much more, I guess, acclimatized to hearing the Korean language that now when I do rewatch it, you know, I can totally hear his accent, um, you know, particularly in dramas, uh, you know, uh, there's a drama called Hyundai Lovers where they, it, the whole thing's set in Busan 
And you can, now I can totally hear the different accents. I mean, I can tell basically, you know, soul accents as opposed to country accents. I don't have uh, much more than, although I guess sometimes like with the more, um, I think it's Jeju Island accents. I can hear that a little bit too. It's a bit different, but I I guess it's very interesting when you study language, um, how little by little, this kind of whole other scope of sound and it just unlocks to you. It's such a fascinating experience and it's interesting for me to sort of look back and realize, you know, in terms of, I guess, my own sort of immersion into Korean culture and language and history, how much I have learned over this, you know, I think it's been almost 10 years that I've been utterly obsessed by K-dramas and it is interesting to think of all I have learned during that time, um, which is kind of cool, I think. My number four reason to love Dream High is the cheese. (laughs) So I think in a very charming way, this is at times a very cheesy drama. Like people are, you know, particularly some of the boys like um, Taekyeon's character Jin Guk and also um, another character played by Woo Young, who I believe is also in 2PM. I think they're both in 2PM, the, the band. He plays a character called Jason and these two boys are like, you know, super swaggery and cool and they're just great at everything and dancing and... Sometimes it's very, very cheesy. It's also cheesy at times when Song Sam Dong is supposed to be like, you know, turning into an amazing dancer. But obviously Kim Soo Hyun, you know, it's not exactly his forte. This this guy's a, an amazing actor with a very pretty face. And I don't know that he is like a super, super cool dancer. But the show will, you know, that'll play the music and it'll make it all super cool. And particularly, you know, Taekyeon. A motorbike and running around the streets and you know bashing up big guys and you know it's just all super super cool and super super cheesy but to be honest I just found that so charming and I think with a lot of k-dramas like if you are a massive k-drama fan I think you understand the charm of the cheese in k-dramas it's freaking perfect Number five reason to love Dream High is a scene that I wanted to talk about. This is one of my favorite scenes in the entire drama. Um, It was a scene that just really moved me to my core and I feel like I had never really seen anything like it. So it's a scene that starts off in a very offbeat, funny way and kind of puts our heroine in a very almost unattractive position, um, you know, in terms of remaining beautiful and pristine um, on screen as an actress. So puts her in an embarrassing position and then turns the heads, like turns the whole thing upside down of a scene that, you know, is supposed to be kind of embarrassing and funny and turns it into this utterly beautiful moving moment that is just extraordinary in terms of I think emotion and you know getting across character development and just it blew me away and this is you know I think again it was it was one of the points of this drama that hooked me and you know began this lifelong obsession that I now have with K-drama um but also I think I I'm not sure if 
I think just, you know, if you're very, very used to Western dramas and American shows and stuff, I think they can be so heavy handed. So I think there's just something very different about this scene that I had just never come across before and never experienced. Um, so it, it was a massive thing for me when I saw this. It, it really moved me. So basically the scene is Hemi heads out into the countryside and there's this snow, it's the middle of winter. And because there's no buses back to Seoul, she ends up having to stay in, you know, the country bumpkin's house, which is Song Sam Dong's house. And she's kind of, you know, very frustrated by him, but she has to get him on his good side and bring him back to Seoul. But he's also driving her completely nuts. And, you know, she has to wear all this flowery ajuma clothes and stuff. And she's very unhappy about the whole thing. And um, she needs to go to the bathroom. She basically needs to go and do a poop. And she finds out that, you know, they have an, an outhouse toilet, which is freaking way down the way across some hill and up into, you know, the snow in the mountains. And she's, I'm sure it's not really that far, but it seems that far in the drama. And she's absolutely horrified. She can't go by herself, but she really is very, very uncomfortable that Song Sam Dong is basically escorting her to the toilet. And so when she gets into this little outhouse, she's in there and she can't like go because he's there and she doesn't want him to like hear her pooping. So, I mean, this is all like straight up toilet humor. It's completely silly. It's very like, you know, kind of cringy, embarrassing because you feel really sorry for Hemi, you know, like at that age, you don't want to frankly no one wants anyone else to hear them pooping but particularly you know when you're a young teen girl and there's a boy like right there but I mean Song Sam Dong doesn't care he doesn't even clock with him that you know that it's anything to worry about and he basically you know embarrasses her further by saying so but in the end to kind of cover the sound of her pooping really weird Hemi begins to sing and the songs she sings, I believe it's actually like um, an American song by Mandy Moore, which I'm pretty sure was like a song she sings as like the theme tune for this movie that Mandy Moore was in many years ago, A Walk to Remember. Um, I hope I'm remembering that correctly. This song is very, very beautiful. And, you know, Susie has such an incredible voice. She is so talented and she sings this extraordinary song with her beautiful voice and outside of you know this little toilet that she's sitting in Song Sam Dong you know looks up at the sky as it begins to snow and he just has this you know transformative moment of dreaming I suppose and I feel like it's so moving to him this moment out in the night with the snow and this beautiful song that Hemi's singing and Hemi herself you know he is so utterly moved as I think you know the watchers of the drama are utterly moved as well and it's such an extraordinary moment between them I think because you know it kind of uh, kind of breaks down some barriers I think and when they come out you know she's like you know just go ahead laugh you know I know how bad it was and he's just completely dead serious and he's like you know I, I would never laugh at that that was beautiful and I loved it I loved it as a moment between the characters as a way to break down walls um, you know and emotional barriers and kind of bring their relationship just you know one tiny teeny step forward but also just as such an interesting scene, you know, I just, it's not something I ever would have thought to turn like a toilet humor scene into something deeply emotional and moving. And I think that's the extraordinary power of K-dramas. They 
are masters of emotion and they are able to manipulate it in a good way that isn't, you know, manipulative in a genuine, you know, truly earnest, genuine way. They are able to make you feel like this enormous spectrum of emotions, even in one scene, you know, from finding it funny to squeamish and cringy to being moved by, you know, a beautiful piece of music in the snow. That is the absolute power of K-dramas. For my number six reason, I want to talk to you about the romance in this drama. So... Like I mentioned before, it is an unexpected love triangle just because by the end, you know, someone who is very much so set up as the second male lead, you know, the sweet, nice, uncomplicated guy turns into someone with a bit of edge, with quite a lot of emotional depth and a bit of trauma, a lot of angst. And he also turns into the main male lead by the end. He gets picked by Hemi. Um, But I want to talk about two. When I first started watching this drama, basically I was working full time in an office and I had an hour break and we didn't have the internet at home in my house. It just feels like another time. It's crazy. I can't imagine living without it now. So I would spend my lunch breaks, you know, looking around on the net and basically listening to music on YouTube and trying to find, you know, new music to listen to. And I stumbled across a video, like a little clip um, of the character Song Sam Dong and the other character Kim Pil Suk, played by IU, singing, you know, in their school uniforms together, singing an a cappella thing. So in the drama, it's like an exam that they do together. And I remember just listening to the song and watching them and I was like, what the fuck is this? This is great. It was so cool. So immediately I found out, oh my gosh, it's from some sort of show from Korea and I started watching it. So I became obsessed. I started getting in before work every morning, like an hour early, just so I could watch this show. I I just wanted to watch it all the time Um, and I couldn't watch it at home. And I remember just being riveted and then I think it about episode five this scene happens where um, Hemi is basically targeted by um, I think it was Yoon Becky Becky that's it it says here Becky I'm just not true Becky I'm pretty sure Becky so anyway uh, Hemi's sort of new nemesis who used to be her best friend who you know she treated like shit so fair enough Um, So her old ex-best friend is going through some trauma and she attempts to drop a flower pot on Hemi's head off a fucking building, I might add. That's multiple stories. So basically, I really don't think she purposely attempted to murder her former best friend, but that is seriously what would have happened if this flower pot had hit. But the very last minute, you know, as a watcher, you, you're seeing this flower pot come down and Hemi walking and someone's dropping it. And at the last minute, Song Sam Dong throws himself over her and they roll on the ground and look up at each other and he's all shocked and he's so worried about her. And, you know, he's like, are you all right? And she's like, yeah. And then he just collapses because he's been hit on the head and he's covered in blood. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is you know, romance drama. This is everything I want from like a little angsty love story. And I, that was the moment that I just fell in love with Song Sam Dong. I was like, this is everything I want from a romance. And I think interestingly enough, if I could pinpoint the exact moment 
that my life changed forever and I fell in love with Korean drama, it was that moment when Song Sam Dong takes a flower pot to the fucking head for Hemi. It was extraordinary. The number seven reason to love this drama, I think, is the follow your dreams theme. So I think it's done very earnestly in quite a lovely way. I think it's always going to be a major theme of every, you know, youth drama that exists. Um, Just because at that age, figuring out what you want to do and, you know, who you want to be is such an important thing. And I think having dreams is such an important thing. So I feel like it really resonates with me, I think particularly, it's interesting, you know, when I was younger, I had, you know, all sorts of crazy dreams, but I don't think I really understood the idea of, you know, work ethic being behind a dream. You have to actually do something to make your dream happen. You can't just dream and sit around and expect something to happen to you. Um, And as I got older, you know, and entered the workforce and everything, I feel like I was a bit shocked that maybe some of my dreams from when I was younger didn't work out for me and I think for a while I really didn't believe in dreaming you know I thought it was for kids or something and it was not real and it's an interesting sort of I guess transformation that I've I've gone through over the last bunch of years and I think particularly because of my newfound passion for writing and you know my my absolute want to become an author and write novels is I realized that having you know, having dreams is so important and that's why, you know, shows like this, even when they come across quite cheesy, they quite resonate with me because I thoroughly, thoroughly now believe in the idea of having dreams and dreaming big and going for it and pursuing those dreams and putting the work in behind it, you know, like dedicating yourself towards what you want and making it happen. And I find dramas that explore those ideas just endlessly charming you know I love watching this kind of thing and I love just the way it kind of reminds you I suppose to keep working hard and keep trying and you know if you don't dream then nothing will ever happen you'll definitely not achieve it if you can't even dare to dream about it and that's certainly a major theme of this show I'm only going to mention this quite quickly for my number eight reason to watch Dream High and love Dream High, but the side characters in this are quite wonderful. Not all of them. There's some, you know, there's some randoms and some duds and like there's a lot of students and a lot of teachers, but on the whole, very, very charming and also very funny. There's a lot of great comedy. Um, I find particularly with, I can't remember like how this woman's even related. Uh, oh, right. I think she's Hemi's aunt. So Hemi's aunt in this is freaking fantastic. She is very, very funny, really amusing. Um, and some of the teachers are quite amusing as well. I think particularly um, one of the female teachers is very good. The daughter of the principal Um, And also, I guess I just wanted to mention quickly, you know, the character of Jason, uh, played by Woo Young, and also the character of Kim Pil-suk, played by IU. IU, of course, is, you know, completely blown up, absolutely famous. She's in, you know, so many wonderful dramas and is such a beautiful young woman. She is just 
wonderful to look at in dramas. I enjoy her acting and I just enjoy her a lot. I think she gets a bit of flack for acting as well. Um, I don't know, maybe I just can't tell. Maybe it's because, you know, to be honest, as someone who, you know, Korean isn't a language... I've been learning it, but, you know, I can't speak Korean. So I think maybe you do have a different experience of people's acting abilities when you are, you know, reading subtitles. But anyway, that's you know neither here nor there. Um, I think I use wonderful. So I really enjoyed this very sweet side romance between Kim Pilsuk and Jason. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I found the comedy in it and the side characters uh, very satisfying in this. They were great. My number nine reason to love this K-drama is the romance again. I love romance so much that I always like to talk about it twice. <laughs> Actually, I wanted to talk about a specific scene that I found very charming um, on the romance side. So this is basically the whole drama. It goes through the whole thing up until, I believe, episode 16. And you have no idea what Hemi's you know, romantic feelings are doing. You have no idea which way they are turning. Um, you know, you, she has all these moments with Song Samdong the whole way through, but she also has moments with Jin Guk and they have quite a bit of history and a little bit of trauma between them. Um, so, you know, they have a very strong connection and you can't really discount it, I think, even though, you know, they kind of move towards each other and then move away again after a while, which, you know, maybe that should have been, uh, you know, a spoiler alert for me, but it, it definitely wasn't at the time. I really couldn't tell how um, Hemi felt. So I really, really love the scene where you basically find out. I think she has a bit of an epiphany moment where she realizes that she likes someone is maybe in love with somebody and from the watcher's point of view we see her thinking this and saying this and staring down the hall as both Song Samdong and Jin Guk are walking up towards her they're both chatting the boys and they're completely you know oblivious that she's sort of having this crisis moment so we understand that she has finally sort of accepted and understood how she feels and is, in fact, I think, a little bit shocked that she is feeling what she's feeling. But as a viewer, we're not really let in on the secret until later. Hemi is going out somewhere with Jin Guk and she drops her wallet. So she goes back inside to pick it up. And her and Song Sam Dong are a little bit rocky at this point. There's a lot of emotion and different things and tangled, you know, everything going on, which is, you know, freaking fantastic. But Hemi runs back into the house. And she finds out that Song Samdong has, you know, he's retrieved her wallet and he's picked it up and he hands it to her. And she's very weird about it. She's very snappy, like, you know, did you look inside it? And he's like, no, no, like, what's going on? But later on, we see that he did look inside her wallet. And what he found in there behind a picture of, you know, the whole crew, all the students together was a picture of him. And it is such a revelation moment. It is so wonderful. You know, he has been in love with her, like completely devoted to her since the very first episode. And he has gone through some really serious shit. And she has really kind of followed him down that rabbit hole and tried to help him as his, you know, his hearing is deteriorating and he's going through a very traumatic time. And she's really 
been there for him, but he doesn't know that she feels, you know, romantically towards him at all. You know, as far as he's concerned, it can just be a friend thing. And it is such a powerful moment when he discovers the truth. And what's really, really fun about it is that it's also the moment that us as an audience discovers the truth for sure. Because up until that point, like, oh, we are left guessing. We really don't know. So I loved this scene. I thought it was such a wonderful uh, way to show us, you know, such a wonderful reveal. It was really excellent. And that's it. We've come to the last reason to love the Korean drama Dream High. And this for me was actually the ending. It is a very interesting ending because it is not entirely, you know, ribbons and rainbows and it's not entirely neatly tied up with a bow. I find it to be a very, very bittersweet ending. But I think because of that, it is very powerful. Um, it, it really walloped me when I saw this the first time. I just dissolved into like sobs. I was so, I couldn't tell, you know, if I was upset at the way the drama ended. I think I was just upset that it had ended at all because it was, you know, such a huge moment for me. This whole show was such a massive impact on my life that I was so upset that I just didn't have another episode. And this was, you know, as it was my very first ever K-drama viewing experience, I didn't understand that, that, you know, there's websites out there and they tell you all the latest casting news and that you can watch a thousand million dramas every year and they're constantly getting made. Um, you know, I just didn't know anything. I had no idea. So it was shocking to me when it ended and it just ended. And, you know, unlike American shows, there's no season two. Well, I mean, there is a season two, but let's just ignore that. But there wasn't a continued season two starring these characters. You know, there wasn't five seasons with, you know, Hemi as the main character as it all dissolves into complete shit until you can't even watch the show anymore. You know, like this was it. It ended. These characters, it finished with them. And I was desperate to know what happens but at the same time I found the ending so powerful in its almost you know open-ended bittersweet way that even as I wanted more desperately I recognized how powerful that ending was and that having more of this show would could only make it less so uh, so you know it was kind of it's the kind of ending that killed me when I watched it but I kind of love it as well. And interestingly enough, like I have rewatched this show so many times, um, you know, over the years. And as I get more and more familiar with K-dramas, I, I still appreciate it and love it so much. But every single time I get to that ending, I cry. I cry every single time. And I'm I'm not like a crazy crier. I'm not a massive crier when I watch shows. Um things might make me like tear up a bit but this ending makes me sob and I don't know if you know over the years part of having that same reaction is you know a nostalgia thing and, and a remembering of of watching this for the first time and how it really did impact and change my life but in saying that I I like this ending it is very 
I don't want to say sad. It's not sad. Everyone achieves, I think, what they set out to do. Their dreams come true, but things aren't, you know, neat and easy, particularly in terms of romance, you know. Um, uh, Susie or Hemi and Song Sam Dong don't, you know, end up married at the end or whatever. And in hindsight, I love it. I love this ending. It is so very moving. Um, and I guess that's it. That's it for me for this discussion about Dream High. And I'm going to move on to my random thing. I'm going to keep my random thing of the week quite short this week uh, just because I waffled on about Dream High for so long. <laughs> so my random thing is basically just a random thought. You know how when you watch K-dramas, people tend to like follow each other a lot. They're always following each other. They're like running around behind someone or trailing them down the street or, you know, through the countryside or whatever. And this is like, you know, fluffy rom-coms, really serious, epic bloody sagoks, like everything. There's someone following someone, literally walking behind them in plain view. And the main character, you know, the one who's being followed, never, ever notices. I find it endlessly entertaining. I freaking love it. It is such an odd thing um, that K-dramas just consistently ask you to I guess just ignore reality and just accept that that person you can see following that other person is completely invisible in every way to that first person. I, I find it really, really interesting because, you know, from a filming perspective, it's not that hard to just cut a scene so you literally can't see the person who's like eavesdropping or standing just outside the gate invisibly or following them around. So I have no idea why it happens, but I've noticed that it happens a lot. I kind of love it, to be honest. Okay, so now we are on to something that I have loved this week. So I know I did a book recently on this little segment on my podcast show, but I am an author and I read all the time. I love to read. I love stories and I consume them in absolutely any way possibly that I can. So I do read a lot. So quite often, you know, something that I'm loving during a week, it probably is a book I'm reading. So I'm just going to go down that path again because it's true. So I am currently reading a book called The Bird and the Blade. I am very almost at the end, but not quite finished. Um, it is by an author called Megan Bannon, and I'm pretty sure it's an American book. It's definitely like a big release. Like I think it had quite a bit of buzz behind it. Um, I believe it came out, you know, maybe within the last uh, couple years. So it is a young adult fiction novel, and it is a historical fiction, which if you read YA, you probably know like particularly now in 2019, fantasy is where it's at. There is not that many just straight historical fiction without, you know, without magic and supernatural shit in them. And I am loving reading this book. It is fascinating and unbelievably romantic and unbelievably moving. Like I feel like I could just waffle on about it forever, but I won't. So it is basically set in Mongolia across 
the Mongolian Empire in the 1200s. So it is about the descendants of Genghis Khan and each of Genghis Khan's sons were given different Khanates across basically Mongolia and, you know, half of what is now Russia and China and all the countries that, you know, at that time made up the Mongolian Empire, which was Genghis Khan's empire. So, I mean, this is endlessly fascinating to start with. I don't know much about this time period or, you know, this kind of location. So I found that fascinating and written as a very, very extraordinarily slow burn moving romance. Um, this book is just so good. Um, basically, the main character is a slave girl. And she is kind of ends up going on this crazy endurance survivalist trek with this son of a Khan from the Kipchak uh, Khanate, which is just one of the many Khanates that make up, you know, the, the Mongolian Empire at this time. And he's a prince and he has lost everything. So he's like a pauper, destitute prince. And she is devoted to him like utterly devoted because she's a slave and her life is shit and at one point in her life when she was at a low point he offered her just the tiniest little bit of kindness and it evokes in her just utter lifelong devotion it is beautiful to read I loved it but what is interesting about this book I have waffled quite a lot longer than I kind of expected to sorry but what I really like about it, oh, sorry, that's not what I meant to say. What I, the only thing that I don't particularly like about it, because I love everything else about it, it's so good. The thing I'm not that keen on is for a historical fiction novel, the writing is very slangy and modern. Um, not so, like, it's quite hauntingly beautiful at times, but the way the main character, the protagonist, the slave girls, kind of inner dialogue comes across and some of the dialogue, you know, the actual spoken dialogue between the characters is very modern slangy. So they say things like, oh, I fell on my ass. Um, and I'm like, eh, I don't know, it just sounds kind of weird. And I do feel that I get pulled out of the story every now and then because of that kind of just the language or the use of very modern language in a historical fiction novel. I find that I quite like historical fiction to just be formalized a tiny bit, still easy to read, like still completely accessible. It doesn't need to be literary or anything like that. But I do like there just to be this kind of old school feel to it because I feel like I can sink into the time era a bit better. But in saying that, you know, that's such a small flaw and I would still give this five stars out of five, this book. So if you are interested in reading this book that I waffled on about way too long, it is called The Bird and the Blade. And it is by Megan Bannon. And Bannon is spelled B-A-N-N-E-N. I definitely recommend it. If you like historical fiction and you like romance, I mean, this is a slow burn romance. Nothing's happening quickly. But if that's your jam, and that is my jam, this book is so good. Go check it out. <laughs> 